At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Every once in a while, we see a headline so jarring it stays with us. We think to ourselves, how can anyone carry on after going through something like that? And that question led me to the conversation you are about to hear. Nicole Avant survived the unimaginable. Yet in meeting her, I'd never know the weight she's carrying. Nicole is not somebody who's defined by her tragedy. Instead, she's defined by the legacy she's carrying on. Nicole has succeeded in so many different fields, from entertainment to politics to philanthropy. But at her core, the title that suits her best is Clarence and Jacqueline Avant's daughter. Though you may not know her father, Clarence Avant, by name, you probably do know and love his work. He was a music legend and an entertainment mogul, lovingly known as the Black Godfather. Nicole grew up surrounded by some of the most extraordinary artists of our time, Bill Withers, Quincy Jones, and Sidney Poitier. Nicole's mom, Jacqueline Avant, was a legendary philanthropist. She turned their home into a place of refuge and inspiration for a generation of geniuses and always modeled the importance of service for her children. Nicole drew from her upbringing to create a noteworthy career of her own as a philanthropist, diplomat, filmmaker, actress, and author. But everything changed for Nicole one night in 2021 when the unthinkable tragedy struck. Her mother was fatally shot during a failed home invasion. She was 81 years old at the time. It seems impossible that anyone could go on after a loss like that, but Nicole channeled her grief with grit, grace, and gratitude her parents instilled in her, going on to write a beautiful memoir, Think You'll Be Happy. Sadly, while writing this book, Nicole lost her father. Nicole beautifully articulates her experiences and all the ways love and loss can intertwine. Nicole shares her journey with me, reflecting on managing her grief, finding forgiveness, and moving ahead when the people who defined you and guided you are no longer physically here. Lessons we can all learn from. I'm Hoda Kotb. Welcome to my podcast, Making Space. First of all, I'm so happy to be sitting across from you. I'm honored that you're sitting here. And we have so much, I I think, beautiful ground to cover. Thank you. Thank Uh, you for having me. This was, it's a big deal to take your life and not just your life, but your parents' life Mm -hmm. and put it into the pages of a book. This is your story, but the title is Think You'll Be Happy. I love the title. Will you explain what it, it why why that title was the one you chose yeah. for this particular moment? So my <laughs> my mom Jacqueline was talking. Actually, we were texting that night. We were texting on a Tuesday night, and she said, "You know, your father unfortunately 
brought back home the sweet potato pie that I gave to you for Thanksgiving. And she was so obsessed about me getting this pie back. I said, Mom, okay, don't worry. You know, relax. I'll, I'll get the pie. <laughs> and it's interesting because I was typing her back a little sarcastically that night. And thank God I listened to my intuition. I was like, she's not going to think that's funny, just mm-hmm. for some reason. So I was, delete, delete, delete. And I just said, okay, Mom, you know, made it cool. Got I gave it. her her favorite emojis that she loved. And I took a bath and her last words to me were, so her response was, okay, think you'll be happy. And I never heard from her again, never saw her again. And when we were when we were putting this book together, I had already been writing on gratitude and grace. Mm-hmm. It it was everything that my parents embodied. It was about the American spirit, mm-hmm. I thought. And I thought, you know. And then when she passed, I thought, what do we, how, I can't put a book out on just gratitude and grace. There's got to be, what are we going to do? And then once the team you. realized, once we all realized, wait a minute, her last text, think you'll be happy. Yes, in that moment, it was about a sweet potato pie. But now that she's no longer with us, it now became my mantra, my mantra for resilience, my mantra to show up in life, my mantra to move forward. Think you'll be happy. By the way, brilliant. That's yeah. a, that should be on T-shirts and bumper yes, stickers yes, and I all know. over. Think you'll be happy. Think you'll be happy. I want to get to everything, but yes. let's let's just back up because you talk about your mom and dad, my yes. mom and dad, like they're our mom <laughs> and dad. But your mom and dad, I have to say, were a little different than the rest of our parents, maybe. Um, your mom and dad uh, were people who were very, very, very well known. Mm-hmm. Um, you grew up in a home, and I was trying to imagine it when I was reading the pages of this that you walked in your house sometimes, and there was Quincy Jones, or there was mm-hmm. Oprah, or there was Whitney Houston, or, mm-hmm. you know, this was a gathering place. Who were your yes. parents for those who don't know? So, Clarence and Jacqueline Avant were my parents, and they. You know, my dad was a music, big music executive and was a music manager and producer and all these things. And my mom was a great philanthropist and both met here in New York. Mm-hmm. And they started their magic here in New York and then brought it to California. And they were involved in sports and entertainment and arts and music, obviously. And what they did with that, though, which I loved, and I didn't understand it when I was young, but they opened the door for everybody else who wanted to also be successful, for everybody who wanted to achieve the American dream, for everybody who wanted American progress. So Sidney Poitier would be in the House as well, or Senator Ted Kennedy. But what I loved about all of them was that they weren't famous people trying to be great. They were great people first, Mm. and they just happened to be famous. Mm. And they wanted the best for other people, and they knew that they were all blessed. They knew that they all were given very specific assignments and opportunities Mm -hmm. that without serving others and blessing other people Mm. with what they had, that it was going to be a waste. And that's what my mother lived for. Hmm. I mean, she lived by that rule of blessings are supposed to be shared. You should enjoy your blessings, but you can't hoard them. Hmm. You have to share them. So they love seeing people's dreams come true. I mean, they, they made magic for everybody who for whatever energy was in that home, it was everybody, Muhammad Ali, everybody. Everybody showed up and everybody was for everybody. There was a difference. There, Everybody was rooting for each other. Everybody made sure that they would talk about their ancestors and talk about the people who came before them and talk about everybody in civil rights that doesn't have a name to their face. Uh. But they knew, we're all here. 
those precious conversations that were happening in your living room, those moments of watching people who, like you said, were already great people Mm -hmm. and fame was secondary or tertiary even. It wasn't even in the top. That's right. What was that like? Now, I can imagine walking in, but as a little girl Mm -hmm. and bearing witness to this, Mm -hmm. how did you see what was happening and your place in all of this? It was interesting because at first, I never, I actually really didn't understand the magnitude of what I had and what the energy yeah. was that was actually showing up in my house. So when I was younger, I was always thinking, why are all these people, people. always at my house? Yeah. And I wish I could just have my mom and dad by myself. And then I realized as I was getting older, it was my friends' reactions when they'd uh, come over f- for a play date. Who freaked them out the most? Um, it was... I think Jermaine Jackson. Oh, God. There was one girl who almost passed out. She just (laughs) passed out. And then Randy Jackson. I thought I was going to marry him. Uh, And then, and then, but Harry Belafonte was at the house. And my friend Andrea's mom was driving us to the house. And she said, Andrea, you and Nicole got in trouble at school. You are not sleeping at Nicole's house. You're on punishment. And we're dropping Nicole home. So she drives up, and Harry happens to be standing in the driveway with my father just talking, and she pulls up, and Mrs. Pilot said, <laughs> is that Harry Belafonte? And I said, how do you know Harry Belafonte? I, that's how ignorant I was. I was maybe 11 or 12 years ah. old, and I said, how do you know him? And she said, is that is Harry, Harry Belafonte? Belafonte? And I said, yes. And she looked at Andrea. She said, you can stay. I'll be back. I'll be back with your clothes. I'll Don't be back you with worry. Your- <laughs> so wow. it, was, it was, but I did have a moment, Hoda, where I thought, uh oh, what am I supposed to do with my life? Yeah, what am I going to do with? I remember looking at my brother. I'm like, I think we have to be really. We have to do something. We didn't know, right? And well, my parents were great. They just said, do whatever. But did they? Although they said they wanted mm-hmm. you to be happy. Yeah, I would imagine having parents like yours as successful as they were. They set expectations. They expected you. They they had expectations of you. High expectations because my mom was a big believer and lover of history. And she wanted me to honor my ancestors. Uh. She said, there are people that you will never be able to thank in person. And you are a free woman because of those people. People sat in for you. They marched for you. they, they, They were enslaved for hundreds of years. And they didn't give up. And you are the promise of all of these people before you, Mm. the least you can do is live a life. Give them a life. You owe them a life. And she really, it was, she said, you can never forget history because it's significant. And, And then her big thing was everyone is important. Everybody is here for a reason. And everyone has meaning. It doesn't matter about the title. She made very sure that I didn't attach myself because I'd say, I want to be this and I want to be called this. And she said, no, 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 no. You want to be a really good person with great character moving through the world. That's what you want. Whatever title, that's the icing of it. But the cake Mm -hmm. is what you need to be. But she, she, I would look at, you know, she had this great wall I always talk about. And it was, you know, Ida B. Wells and... Mm. um, Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington. So she'd say, every day when you walk by this, you'll know what stock you come from. Mm. You'll know who you come from so you can survive. Mm. Your mom is, when you talk about her, just just her in general, but her service, you learned— not because she told you to do things. You learned mm-hmm. probably because you watched her and said, oh, that's how you, oh. Because mm-hmm. we, I mean, I have young kids. I've, you know, I've adopted two children. So I'm trying to, I'm like, how can I make them 
more of service and X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, oh, I think I know. Just do what I do. Show be them. Of ser- yeah, be of be service. Be of service. And I remember I asked Maria Shriver's a good friend of mine and her whole family's of service. And I said, what mm-hmm. did your mom do? Like, how did they, your mom and dad, because her dad started mm-hmm. the Peace Corps and her mom mm-hmm. started the Special Olympics. And she said, they never mentioned the word service. They just did it. They just did it. Is that kind 100%. of similar? They just did it. My mom just did it. She... I was out with her in every in Watts all the time in California, and we'd leave Beverly Hills, and she didn't say, we're going to go serve the children in Watts. She had books in the car. She had, uh, you know, tapes, cassettes, anything they needed. Anything. They wanted music. They wanted books. They needed tutoring. It was, we are going, we are just, we are going. Yeah. But I just watched my mom be mm. of service. Mm. And that made the biggest difference in the world, because then it didn't feel like service. Then it became... This is this is how you this move is, in the this world. Is life. Yeah, this is life. Did you when you have very busy parents mm-hmm. and I think anyone who's listening who's got two working parents mm-hmm. no matter what the field is did you feel seen as a young girl in your home given how everything must have been mm, good question. Yeah. Yes, you know it's interesting I my mom, I used to tell her, I said, oh, my gosh, you were like a helicopter, mm-hmm. you know, but a different helicopter parent to the point where she was like, what are you doing? Where are we going? What are mm-hmm, you doing? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and she loved putting me in situations that I was uncomfortable. So uh. a new camp with no friends from school. And I'd say, mommy, I don't want to be here. I She said, no, you're going to be uncomfortable for maybe a week and you can't come home. And you're going to learn to make new friends. I have to put you in uncomfortable situations. So she told you what she was doing. She, yes. But I definitely felt seen because it was, when I was younger, I didn't appreciate it because I felt it was just so much of, can I just, can I just take a break today? Sometimes Mm -hmm. like mom, you know, and then now I look back and it's, she, she knew everything. She knew my schedule. She knew I needed a tutor in geometry. Mm -hmm. She got me one. She, she, she showed up for me all the time. Mm -hmm. So that's how she showed her love was being involved in school projects and making sure I had everything. She knew where I was, what I was doing, what classes mm-hmm. I was, you know, so I did feel seen for sure. Your father uh, was a huge music executive. Mm-hmm. What did you call him? The Black Godfather? Yes, the Black Godfather. Which is your documentary. Yes, yes. Very cool. Very cool. What was he like as a professional person? Like, how did you as a little girl, like we all see our dads and we watch them navigate. How did you view him when you were younger? You know, I I saw the movie, um, It's a Wonderful Life, Mm -hmm. and my mom had me watch it every Christmas. And it really did become one of my favorite movies. And I love the theme of the movie. Mm -hmm. And then the angel in the movie happens to be named Clarence. And as a young girl, I went, oh, that's what he does. That's kind (laughs) of what my dad does, which was, I looked at him kind of like the Wizard of Oz. He's a man that loves making people's dreams come true. Mm. And it was so, because I could never pinpoint exactly, you know, he was in so many things. He was a real entrepreneur. He tried everything. Some things he was great at and some things didn't work. Mm-hmm. But he was always putting his energy out there. But his main, his his greatest life experience was seeing other people's dreams come true. Describe when that happened. Like, like Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron was going to break Babe Ruth's record, and my father didn't know him, but he kept saying, where's his endorsement deal? Wait, he's supposed to have an endorsement yeah. deal. And he called Ambassador Andrew Young and said, do you know him? He said, yeah, I, he lives around the corner. He said, I need to meet him because he's about to break 
the record of Babe Ruth. Yeah. But there's nobody behind him. And so my dad took him to the president and went up to the Coca-Cola offices, went up to the president's office. He got one of the biggest endorsement deals ever at that time. And the beauty of that story for me is that Hank and his wife ended up, you know, starting a scholarship foundation for children and putting people through school. So that's what I always was able to see from great people mm-hmm. like Hank Aaron or Bill Withers or any of them. They all gave back. Mm-hmm. They all turned around and passed the baton and shared their blessing. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Also, just to sit and say, what about that person and why doesn't that one has? So yes. tell me about your dad's, how your dad was viewed in that circle. Did ever, Was everyone waiting for your dad to call? Always. Always. He, always. I mean, the phone constantly was ringing and it was always, can you fix this? Can you do this? Can you help open this door? Can you introduce me to this person? He and Quincy had it in spades. Quincy I mean, Jones. it was both of them. Yeah. Quincy Jones. And all of us kids would look at them Like, what are you guys doing? You're always opening a door. You're always taking a meeting. But they felt this genuine responsibility. I think Quincy and Clarence couldn't believe the lives that they ended up having. Mm. And they just knew, like, oh, wait, you know what? If we stop this train, this train might stop for everybody. So we're going to answer every call. We're going to open as many doors as we can. And they did. And it was really great to watch because it's taught me to— to move through life like that. And I love seeing it happen yeah. for people too. Being the daughter of such incredible mm-hmm. people. So you said there was like, what are we going to do? You and your yeah, brother, yeah. how yeah. are we going to do? How did you navigate that? What did you, how did you like, because you have to find your own voice because those are big shadows. Those big yeah. shadows. And thank God for my parents for mm-hmm. telling us our shoes are already filled. My dad would say, I'm in my shoes. So you don't have to try to film. And I was like, well, oh, that's really? A- Thank you. Okay. And he would say, I'm going to, you know, my parents made a commitment to put Alex and my brother Alex and I in as many different situations as possible. Yeah. And that we would find our what way. What were some of the situations? So, I mean, my mom, well, first of all, she said, you're going to work at a very, very young age and you're going to work in service. I need you to work as, I want you to be a waitress. I was a waitress. I was a hostess. I sold shoes. Mm-hmm. I worked at a dry cleaner. Yeah. I did everything before I was 21. Right. Because she said, you you will not understand people and basic humanity until you are in service of others. And, and then you will see the best of humanity and the worst of humanity mm-hmm. when you're, when, you know, and, and I did what as a waitress. Job? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Oh, yeah. It was I, I I would come home some days laughing and then some days crying. Yes. Of, These people were so mean to me yeah. today. Or I'd yeah. say hello and welcome and no one would look yeah. up from their menu. Yeah. You felt invisible. Yes. But the beauty that it, the, the best gift that that gave me was to never make someone feel like that because mm. I had already had the experience. You knew what that was like. I knew what it felt like. Right. I was just thinking also anything that came with, oh, you're so-and-so's child. Yes. That was erased. Like you were every oh, other kid, every other my person. My mom made She's sure. Smart. She said, I want to make sure that you'd never get, some doors will be open to you because you are Clarence, and, you know, you, you are a child, but I never want your ego to get so inflated that you feel that you deserve it and you become entitled. Mm. Her biggest fear was entitlement. So mm-hmm. she'd say, listen, I'm going to raise you guys this way. Now you could choose to be entitled. But I'm not going to let the world think that I raised you entitled. You know, I mean, that's the one thing she really, she said, that's not okay. Being a brat 
is not okay. Being a bully is not okay. Right. Did she, did you guys have chores when you were kids? All the time. Yeah. Yes. The the making up the bed was a big thing for my mom. You make up that bed before you leave the house. Yeah. But I did dishes every time I came home. Everything. You take out the trash. All of it. All the things. All the things are important. So when I went to college, she would always say, oh, Nicole, don't complain. It's home training. This is home training training. Okay. This is what it's called. And she said, and you'll be, you'll be so happy to see what I've given you once you go to college. And she was right. I had roommates in the dorms. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know. They didn't know how to make up a bed. They didn't know how to take out the trash. You're like, like, are you not surviving? What do you, how do you not know how to do this? What did you study in college? Communications. Yeah. And and I wanted to be a broadcast. I wanted to be on the news. I I studied broadcast journalism and I loved it. And I studied Uh psychology. Interesting. I really loved psychology. And my mom said, you know, try everything. Let's see where you land. But I also loved music because it was in my blood. Mm -hmm. And so the first job out of college was at A&M Records. Ah. And I actually met Bobby Shriver, oh, wow. his brother, and he was working on the Special Olympics right. albums. Yeah, And he kind of taught me, it was the first time where I really saw you could do what you love, which is music and be in music and work with artists, but then also put something else out into the world that helps other people, right. that serves other people. Yes, yes. So it was the first time that I saw it. Those two together. Yeah, and it was great. It was really great. Wow. Wow. So you you venture out of college yeah. and you do you work there for a bit and then what yeah, happened? And then so I worked at AM Records and then I had a couple of jobs mm-hmm. and I worked at Warner Brothers Television and then I worked as a, a counselor, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a as a high school counselor, as oh, a student fun. counselor, as a mentor at, down at USC. Uh-huh. Which I love and that's where the psychology of it. Yeah. came in and I was able to work with students for a few years and help get them on the right path. Mm-hmm. And then politics just came They came, came knocking. knocking on the door. Yeah. Now, that must have been such an interesting and exciting time for you. You became an ambassador. Mm-hmm. I mean, to get the phone call from President Obama <laughs> must have been like, wait, what? So tell me, oh, tell me about it, that story. Well, I, I said a few people from his team kept calling, like saying, like, listen, hey, you know, You've done all this. You were the finance chair from California. You know, he's now in the White House. How are you going to continue to serve? What are we going to do? You know, the president, you know, and then I kept saying, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do anything. I actually want to take a break for a minute. Yeah, I need it. And then my husband, Ted, said, no, when the president calls, you say yes. Yeah. He's asking you to serve and he's asking you to represent him. Overseas, what do you? I said, Ted, we just got married. I, I'm tired. I'm this. He said, Who cares? This is nothing. You have to say yes. And it was really Ted who convinced me. And then my parents, of course. Yeah. My mother was like, Oh, this is fabulous. This is exactly <laughs> what I've dreamed of. <laughs> you were the ambassador to, to the Bahamas. Bahamas, and it mm. was fantastic. I yeah. mean, it was. I was 40 years old. And did you have children at that point? Yes, I had two children through Ted, so mm-hmm. two stepchildren, and they were 12 and 14 when 12 I met 14, them. So right. they were young mm-hmm. and excited, though. So it was a whole new chapter, but everything in my life was new. Mm-hmm. I, I 40 was my year of just saying, I said, I'm saying yes to everything. So Ted came in at 40. I said, yes. The Baham, everything I just said, said yes. yes. And I love that. Yeah. A friend of mine called that uh, repotting. Oh, I it's love like, that. 
you you've had a certain life mm-hmm. you've had roots in and then every now and then we all need repotting we need a I new place that. to be a place to grow a freshness that comes with it yes. and it sounded like that's what that gave yeah, you yeah i just put new seeds out there oh, and new seeds. Yeah, new seeds out and a harvest came and it was great and your communication so with your parents during mm-hmm. all this time did you still call them for advice or hey or how did the relationship change I did. I actually, I did call them for advice a mm-hmm. lot, mm-hmm. and especially during the Bahamas. During yeah. my tenure in the Bahamas, I my mom was great because the first thing she said, I said, I'm so nervous that I have to yeah. meet all these ministers. She said, go meet somebody from the Special Olympics. She said, where do they have a Special Olympics there? I said, yes. And she said, meet the president. Of the Spe- Just get into what you love first She's to so make smart. yourself feel a little comfortable. So you love my mom always, anywhere we went, it could be Paris, it could be London, anywhere we traveled, Africa. Where's the orphanage? She always took us to an orphanage. She took us to orphanages and museums at this in the same day. In the same day, my mom always looked for my children need to see people without, and my children need to see art. But it was always, this is life. This is, see how this is. Life is everything. It's all mixed up. But there's, these orphans are just as important as you are. Mm. And you need to see them. She didn't want me just reading about things. So anywhere where she could show me and anytime they had allowed us, because some places were like, they're too young. You can't obviously come in. How old were you guys? Oh, young. I mean, maybe eight and 10 and 16 again yeah. and then we went on tour we did when my dad promoted the michael jackson bad tour so we went all over europe for that tour did you know michael uh, yes of course you did i don't know <laughs> just wanted to hear that yeah <laughs> but you, so you so how can i ask how did yeah. how was your mom so knowledgeable because to be that kind of a mother mm-hmm. to know because we can have our values but to be able to teach that just that gesture she i i have no no idea. She was so smart and wise beyond her yes. years. And I mean, she's born here in Jamaica, Queens on her kitchen table, on the kitchen table. And she modeled and she did everything, but she was loved science and math. And her mom, my grandmother Zella said, you know, you can make a little extra money modeling, which she did. Right. And she studied, you know, she loved history so much. So she'd study Queens from around yeah. the world. She'd study great American yeah. women. And she just studied, and she wanted to be an editor. My mom dreamt of being a newspaper editor or a book editor. She was in the library all the time. And she studied these women to the point where she said, I'm going to move through the world like that. And I mm. ran into someone in Queens. She took me to Queens once when I was younger to see her family. And this woman said, oh my gosh, it's Jacqueline Gray. It's Jacqueline Gray. And I said, who's Jacqueline Gray? Yeah. And my mom said, that's my maiden name. And yeah. she said, we loved you. We were so proud of you. Because, you know, my mom would model and do all this yeah, advertising. Yeah. And then she'd say, and you marry Clarence Avon. And my mom would say, yes. She said, you're Jackie A now. You are our Jackie A. And it was so, and that's when I knew my mom was a big yes. deal. Symbolized it so was, much. Wait, I was like, Jackie A. And my mom said, I'm Jackie A. Uh-huh. I thought it was, but it was great because to your point, the values and the way she expressed herself in life, the way she decided to move through life yeah. as a black woman. And when she picked me up from school, I said, can you please dress like all the other moms? They're all in jeans and they're casual. And she said, no, I'm going to wear my suit. My face is on. 
And, you know, many of these people will never see Black people dress this way or look this Like, she knew there was, there was, was a bigger... Per- she was representing yeah. more. Yeah. This was, the you know, it was an early time. And she said, we just got our rights here. I'm did she showing talk up. about... Um, racism she faced? Did she did she express it or did she try to She did because, you know, she comes from a mixed race background and so they passed for anything. They passed mm-hmm. for Italian. They And she does have it in her. And her whole thing is like, listen, I love all parts of me. I love the European parts of me. Mm-hmm. I love the black parts of me. I love all of it. But she said all of her friends said just be anything but black because mm. you can pass for anything. So why don't you just say you're Italian or Russian or this? You could pass for anything but black. And she said, every time someone said that mm. to her, she said, as white as I might have looked, I decided I'm going to make black great. Mm. I'm going to make it great. I'm mm. going to make people proud. And that I think that was what drove her to, to be who she was in the world mm. and support black artists and and writers, you know, Jimmy Baldwin, Mm. anybody, Mm -hmm. you know. What a beautiful relationship you have with your mom and your dad. Beautiful. Still ahead, Nicole recalls the night that changed everything, what she lost and gained with the death of her mother. Stay with us. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Take us to that night. Mm. Um, your mom was 81. 81. 81. I, you know, my mom's in her 80s. There are ways that we imagine or expect our mom to leave her yeah. body mm-hmm. and go on. Mm-hmm. You can sort of picture it. Mm-hmm. But the way your mom died was not at all no. from the depths of our horrible like imagination it didn't even no, exist there ever so you you talked about at the top of this there was a text exchange yes. over some sweet potato yeah, pie yeah and she writes you a text mm-hmm. okay and so she writes you a text which is the title of your book it's called think you'll be happy mm-hmm. and you go to sleep okay and then what and then in the middle of the night, around 2.30, 2.45, I, I, you know how something just wakes you up and I happen to turn over. I'm a pretty deep sleeper, but something woke me up. And I saw all these missed calls from my brother. I thought, what? And mm-hmm. then as I picked up my phone to call him back, and immediately I thought, oh, something's happened to my dad because he was almost 91. And to your point, I was like, oh, well, something, you know. It's something happened something, to dad. Something well. happened to dad. As I'm dialing Alex back, the phone rings and it's my husband, Ted. And I said, what is going on? What is going on? He goes, love, listen, I don't know everything. You need to get dressed. 
you need to hurry up. You need to get to the hospital. You need to get to Cedars. I said, what? He goes, your mom's been shot. And I just stood there like, whoa, 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 whoa. Shot by whom? Yeah. Where was she? Because she you... I didn't, I couldn't even figure out what time it was. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I go, were they out at dinner? He goes, Nicole, I don't know anything. Yeah. Your mom has been shot. She's at Cedars. You need to get there immediately. I'll meet you there. And I stood frozen for a minute and I felt my knees buckle. Yeah. Yep. My heart was racing. Yes. I thought, wait a minute, what? Yeah. And then I just, I took a deep breath. I'm like, okay, well, then, you know, then your brain holds on to any. Anything, yeah. you know, like, oh, well, she's at the hospital. Right. So she, how she, bad can it, I right, don't know. She's I didn't know fine. anything. Right, right. I was like, and then I got in the car and I drove, I remember driving down 6th Street in Los Angeles and I was making a right to get to Cedars and this green light started flickering and I just took it as a sign and I said, okay, mom, I don't know what's happened to you, but I don't even know if you can hear me, but I just need to say this. I, I... I love you and I'm praying for you, but you don't have to come back. I, I can take care. I just went into this. I got it. Everything I, was I, coming out. I'll just take care of dad. I, I what was was there panic in you or pan- was it? panic? Yeah. There was panic and I I my heart felt that it was yeah. sitting out of my chest. Yeah, yeah. And and I was shaking. Yeah. I mean, I found myself, and it was just such a place that, like you said, I, you can't even imagine, you can't imagine. it. You, even your worst nightmare, yeah. you don't imagine this. And you don't imagine the words, your mother's been shot. Mm-mm. And, you know, I got to the hospital and I waited and we waited around and they came in and and then they told us, and it was the police officer, thank God, who was at the hospital. And I... He was the one who said to me, I was in the ambulance with your mom, and I want you to know how strong your mom is so strong because she was alive, and she was fighting, and she's a real survivor. I've seen this happen to to gang members at 23, and they're out. And when he said that to me, there was something that he gave me. It was a gift that he gave me of telling me how my mom was fighting, and, and she wanted to survive because... She really did love life. You know, my mom loved living. (laughs) She loved it. And so it was a really good gift that he gave me that I've carried. And I I see him quite a bit. And I I just had a memorial for my parents last week, and I invited him Mm. and the police chief because Mm. they showed up. You know, they showed up for her. Mm -hmm. And people forget, you know, first responders, all of them, their first job is to show up. (laughs) And I just— thank him so much. I said, thank you for not leaving her alone in the ambulance. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I understand what they do and they're all afraid because we're all human. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so it was, and then it was my life just as soon as the doctor came out and said, we're very sorry to tell you, you know, we did we, what we could, but she lost a lot of blood and uh, she's, she's gone. Mm. And everything just changed and who was with you in that moment? I was uh, my brother mm-hmm. and his friend and uh, Ted and my husband and my and my father. And my father was sitting next to me and just kind of slumped over. Mm. I shot up like an arrow. Ted said, he said, your brother wailed, your dad slumped over on you, and you shot up as an ego. Then you became Jackie. In two seconds, I said, okay, you go over here. Dad, you get in the car with Ted. Because he drove separately, but you get in the car with him. I'm going to go to my car, and I'm going to meet you at my house. And my dad said, well, I need to go to my house. I'm going, you're not going to your house, because I don't know what is going on. 
So somebody broke into your house. I don't know what's going on. So we're going to go back to my house, and then we're going to sit as a family, and then we're going to— And he never left. He never left. Um, When you said the words, you know, she's been shot, there was an intruder. Yeah. So what happened? Um, (laughs) There was a person who had been on a spree that night of different houses— so there must have been, you know, the house must have been targeted, you know, because many were around at that time, post-COVID. It was a lot of stuff happening in Beverly Hills, and but everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he, my parents' house was on his list, and my mom happened to be up. Mm. And I, you know, it's interesting because she used to text me all the time or email me. I'd wake up in the morning, my mom, like, what are you doing up at 2.30 or 3 yeah. in the morning? And she'd say, oh, honey, when you turn 80... You will not ask that question. Things change. And she happened to be up. And they were opposite sides of the house. So my dad was all the way over here. And had my mom been with Mm -hmm. my dad, I don't think it— I think he was going in snatch. He wanted in, out. And he ended up— Then he goes to another house and ends up right next door to one of my best friends. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, 20 minutes away. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it's it's so— but that in that moment that night, the, when that same police officer told me what happened, he said, "Listen, somebody broke in. Um, he, they they were on a you know he's on a mission, and mm-hmm. and your mom unfortunately it was like she was struck by lightning. She just happened to be in the crossfire, and she encountered him. She mm-hmm. fled, and then he you know just he wild you know he when you shoot a rifle, not one bullet comes out, a bunch come out, and one of them hit her in the back." And just struck her in the back. Um, yeah. It's just hard to it's, I know. It's, I mean, just hard to fathom that yeah. that was how a life of service was ended. And, yeah, because I said in my letter to the judge, you know, a woman who lived like that should not have had to die like that. It made no sense. The energies were so opposite. But she... But I know her, like she still lives on within me. Oh, yeah. And I I just I don't know. It, it's it's still shocking. Mm-hmm. You know. I'm obviously not gonna give the horrible assailant any airtime. No. But I did read, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you have found it in yourself to forgive him. Yes, but when I forgive him, it's really forgiving for myself. So I don't know his name. I don't know anything about him. I don't want to know anything about him. I don't care about him. Mm-hmm. I don't condone what he did. I do not make an excuse for what he did. So I don't, I'm not a person like, oh, he had a bad childhood. I don't care. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have bad childhoods and they don't do terrible things. Mm-hmm. But I forgave for myself because I have a heart. I have a good heart and I have a happy heart. <laughs> and I wanted to protect my happy heart. And I could not hate him. And be at peace at the same time. I tried. I It doesn't work. Yeah. So the forgiveness was more for me of giving up the anger and giving up the, the questioning and the why. Because I started doing that, Hoda, and I thought none no. of this is bringing her no. back anyway. So I just thought, you know what? I'm going to forgive for myself so that I can be at peace, so that I can move forward, and that so I can honor my mother's life yeah. and live the yeah. way she'd want me to live. Yeah. And with the bitterness and the anger and the resentment that that showed up through him, mm-hmm. I had to choose. Yeah. 
is is forgiveness a daily yes. practice? So you have to wake up in the morning Every day. and say, here we go Here again. we go again. It's like a, I always say it's like a, the dirtiest washcloth, like it's been dipped in tar, a white wash, and you have to just do it again. And some days it does get easier though. And some days are easier than others. There's many times I don't even think about this person because now I've just, I guess I've, mm-hmm. you know, compartmentalized it. Where, right. And now it's only Jackie. Mm-hmm. And and what she loved, and I listened to her music, and I watched the movie mm-hmm. she loved, and I, you know, I take care of her art and her lacquer, mm-hmm. and I don't, like I I just want to be in her energy, and her space. So he has no no room, no, there's no room. room. There's no room for him. Yeah, Mm-mm. yeah. There's room for grief because yes. we all, and I know there are people listening who've lost someone somehow. Yeah. And dealing with grief can be crippling because, mm-hmm. you know, they say your grief kind of equals to the amount of love you put into the relationship. Yes. And you're, you're, you're obviously overflowing with both. So where did you, where do you place your grief? How did you, how did you and do you deal with it? You know, it's like a roller coaster mm-hmm. and it goes up and down yep. and it hits you in different ways, yeah. as you know. And the grief, I just choose to move through it. So when it shows up, mm-hmm. I feel it. I yeah. don't try to push it down anymore. Go exercise, extra no, work. Yeah, blah, yeah. Blah. I always used to busy myself. Yeah, and now I'm like, I'm going to feel this. Yeah, let me I'm actually going to feel this sadness. I'm going to feel this and know that that it's not going to destroy me. I'm just feeling a sadness, mm-hmm. and I'm and and then the sadness reminds you of how much you loved mm-hmm. someone. You know, the grief is the receipt that you <laughs> loved and you were loved and. The music, you know, things that, you know, remind me of my mom. She loved Johnny Mathis. So if I hear him on the radio, I'm hysterically crying. Mm. But at the same time, I'm also smiling Mm -hmm. that she loved this. So grief is going to come to all of us because we're human. And I think people need to be reminded that on our existence and on our journey in life, grief and uh, uh, trials and challenges, Uh it's inescapable part of it yeah. and but to your point moving through it uh-huh. as opposed and owning it as yeah. opposed to trying to right outrun it or, outrun it mm-hmm. and out exercise yeah. let me go yeah. for a 10 mile no yeah. let's just feel it for a minute yeah and and it's okay it's okay to grieve that's another thing that i had to learn it's okay it's part of the human existence is to grieve and so to try and look at it as if it's this terrible thing that we need to push away or get rid of, no. Well, um, after her passing, you were given a gift, and that was when you said that your your dad never left your house. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, and anyone who's grown up with a dad who works a lot, mm-hmm. you don't always get all of the, you know, one-on-one you'd want. Yeah. That's how life goes. Right. But then something happened. It was all one-on-one. All one-on-one. How was that? It was the best time. gift I could have ever received, especially after what happened. Mm. The, the wisdom and the kindness and the – because he was almost like a little boy. So it's like I had an eight-year-old. You yeah. know, every The small things in life made him happy, you know, and taking him to the store, taking mm-hmm. him to the newsstand. You mm-hmm. know, I'd still go outside and get his New York Times for him and make sure that he had his New York Times every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Making meals with him, sitting down and having breakfast with him, and then making sure he had something at lunch, and then cooking dinner with him. And mm. we started to create new habits together. That's what I said to him. He said, you know, he never said the word killed. He'd always say, I said, well, mom was killed. He said, when Jackie disappeared. 
Is that he'd what always, he says? Yeah, he always said, Jackie disappeared. Mm. And that's the way he felt. And I, so for mm. me, I was like, I said to him, we're going to begin again. I don't know what it's going to look like because we're beginning again, <laughs> but we're going to try new things. And we'd take walks around mm. the, 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 the property or we'd walk around the neighborhood. And, you know, he'd love watching the news, which I hated, but mm-hmm. I'd sit and watch the news and we'd listen to music together. Yeah. And just having him for 20 months Every day wow. was, wow. I never had it. I, I told Ted, I go, I don't think I've had this much time with him Ever. in the 52. I, no, never had that time. So the fact that we got it uh-huh. all the way up until the end, until his last breath, uh-huh. was the a gift that I am forever grateful for and cherish. You talk in the book about at your mom's funeral, how your dad was holding your hand, mm-hmm. which is beautiful in and of itself, but it was more what it reminded you of or oh, symbolized. The bicycles. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And jaywalking across yeah, the street. Tell me about that. To get to, I, I remember we went to get to, uh, we used to go to this bicycle shop and I remember it's in, on Beverly Boulevard in Los Angeles and you'd have to jaywalk. And I remember every time we went to get a new bike, it was the only time where my dad would hold us really tight to go, mm-hmm. hey, look, yeah. look both ways yeah. like, yeah. like you're in New York. Yeah. And we'd run across, but I remember, those are the only times where I could remember feeling his hands mm-hmm. and and really grab mine and protect me. Mm-hmm. Like, and I felt very protected mm. every time. So I think I purposely would break my bicycles or something because like, I always wanted, on, I need to, that, I need I that wanted hand. him to hold my hand. Yeah, there was a whole generation of, my dad was that way too, a whole generation of dads that were not, I mean, not the way you see dads today. today who were all right. pushing the strollers and doing yeah. all those things. Yeah. So you're with your dad. You have all these beautiful weeks and months. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about him that you did not know or that, I don't know, that just kind of came to light maybe? I didn't realize how sensitive of a person he was yeah. and how, you know, he used to make jokes about reading the obituary column all the time. But then once I lived with him, he would really read it and I would watch him. I go, why, you, why do you read this? Yeah. He says, oh, I like to learn about people. Oh. I like to learn about their lives. It's interesting to me. I said, really? I said, you used to say, oh, I'm just checking to make sure I'm not in here. Yeah. He said, oh, I was just talking that. He goes, I really like reading about someone's life, what they did, how many children they have. Yeah. And there was, I said, you do? Wow, that's interesting. And I didn't know that side of him. I never saw him, you know, I and 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 the way he listened to music mm-hmm. and and what it really did to his energy and i was able to really witness it when i put on duke ellington or i put on frank sinatra my dad went into a completely different zone wow out of his body and he'd always say there's nothing like music it heals the world it, does. it heals the world there's nothing like it and so i got to know the softer gentler side of him mm-hmm. and he was very curious and very, uh, very sensitive. Mm, really sensitive. That's funny to yeah. see that side and at I that stage. Oh, wow, Dad. And Who very knew? emotional. And about it just, you know, as he got older, I had seen it. But yeah. once I was living with him and saw his habits in a new way, mm, mm. you know? Um, it's hard, obviously, to lose a parent and then to lose both your mom and dad yeah. over the span of just. Two, under two years. Two, under two years. Yeah. So your dad passed away. Mm-hmm. He was 90? Ni- almost 90. It's 92. 92. 92 and a half. 92 How was that for you? How did you handle that? It was absolutely 
I, it's such a weird word to use, but beautiful mm. because it was so opposite from my mom. Mm. And I had, con- we were with him, and it's as mm-hmm. sad as it was, he was older. Mm-hmm. I was shocked that he lasted 20 months, to be quite yeah, honest. I thought that, we well. were going to lose him in a couple of months. But he was at home and mm-hmm. he was around his books. And we played his music mm-hmm. 24-7, and it was me and Teddy and a few friends, and my friends would come over, and they would take care of him. And they would. my friend Amy would come over and give him massages and, you know, make sure he had his popsicles, and Laura would bring him books, and people would just come over and sit with mm-hmm. him. But it, to be a part of his transition that was peaceful mm-hmm. and dignified, mm-hmm. that— yeah. Was everything That's for everything. me. I said, if 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 we get this peacefully and dignified, then I've gotten everything because he really did live his life. Mm. He lived a full life, and I got to tell him that mm. at, on his last day. I said, Daddy, you're safe to go, and you have really run your race, mm. and you and you won. Mm. You didn't quit. You ran, and I thank you for running for me. I thank you for running for everybody, people that you do know and people that you've never met. You've run for them. And I thank you for that. And you can now go be with mom, be at peace. <laughs> and thank you for living and not quitting. Mm. Oh, my God. What a beautiful sentiment to yeah. say is kind of your last statement. Did he have any kind of last thoughts or words or oh, gestures for you? Yes. He told me his last words to me that I understood clearly. He pointed at his head and he goes, girl, keep your mind right. Keep your mind right. And I said, I will, daddy. And that was his version of think you'll be happy. His, because they were very big believers in whatever you think and whatever you say, it's going to become. become. It just is. We're creative beings. And so my father always saw, he he could see how sensitive I'd be or, I, I, you know, I would get very disturbed mm-hmm. by things very easily. Mm-hmm. And he'd always say, mm-mm. Get your mind right. Don't give people your power. Don't do that. Get your mm-hmm. mind right. How are you going to think about this situation? Mm-hmm. It's not about just being happy and positive. How are you going to be constructively thinking about this situation mm-hmm. so that you can turn it around? But if you're all frazzled and you're giving your power to this person, you're saying, mm-hmm. why did he treat mm-hmm. me this way? Why did my boss talk to me this way? He said, you got it. He always say, it is what it is. Now, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And he said, you know, I said, Daddy, a lot of people don't like, you know, it is what it is. They think it's hard. He goes, no, I'm telling you just to accept what is. You just own it. Just accept it first because then you can change it. But if you don't accept it, you can't change it. Yes. Because then you're in denial. So he was, but his last words, keep your mind right. Keep your mind right. Mm -hmm. Wow. I interviewed uh, Winona Judd after her mom, Naomi, Mm -hmm. passed. And she said, it was interesting, and this happened with Kathy Lee too, now that I'm thinking about it. When both of their parents passed, they said, they used the word orphan, which I found interesting for Mm -hmm. someone who have, you know, who's lived, you know, these big, beautiful lives themselves. Mm -hmm. Because often I think we're defined, we are our parents' daughter. Mm -hmm. That's that's who I am too. So did I don't know what feelings you had after your father passed, but how did you feel when you realized that both of your parents it We're felt gone. different. I mm-hmm. never, the orphan part didn't, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people say, I mm-hmm. never felt that mm-hmm. way. I felt very grateful and even more aware of how blessed I was to have been raised by people like Jacqueline and Clarence Avon. All of a sudden it became, 
oh, I, I, I must focus on their legacy, and I must make sure that no one ever forgets who they are. Mm-hmm. And and I was so proud. All of a sudden, it was a new gift of, oh, I get to talk about them and share them and share the lessons that they gave me. And it's an offering. I mean, this book for me is really an offering. And and they did live with grit, grace, and gratitude in different ways, but they both did. And I I look at it now of I'm so fortunate that I'm 55 and and had them for as long as I did. Mm-hmm. You know, because the Ukraine war started at the same, right when my dad was living with us. It started not mm-hmm. too long after. And he was so disappointed and so sad when he saw, you know, a hospital mm-hmm. being blown. And he'd say, my goodness, these children, mm-hmm. these, the families are destroyed. And he, but he, and then he saw a picture of the babies. He goes, they have no parents. Mm-hmm. They have nobody. Mm-hmm. And so his reaction to that reminded me mm-hmm of how fortunate I am that I got 55 years mm-hmm. with my parents. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm How fortunate am I? I'm not five. Mm-hmm. This didn't happen to me when I was five or 10 or 30. Because you know what? I don't know how I would have been at 25 or 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. right. Still ahead, how Nicole is making space in her life by nourishing her soul when we come back. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This book, by the way, is full of so many beautiful uh, life lessons. I love that you call it an offering. I mean, that's such a beautiful way to put it. I feel like this is the kind of book that anyone can pick up and read and read a part of it because the knowledge that you've just shared in this interview, forget the book for a second, (laughs) but the knowledge from your parents and the life lessons, I think there are things that are applicable. Like if you're at home going, I want to be better. Mm Mm-hmm. You can be better. Mm-hmm. So this this podcast is called Making Space because we like to make space for ourselves. So when you make space for yourself, how do you um, how do you spend that time? If you had a day and it was just for you and you had zero responsibilities and it could be about nourishing yourself or just letting loose, like what? How would oh, you spend that time? I love. I'm always in my closet, <laughs> reorganizing my closet with You're my, that person. I'm that person. Uh-huh. And I have my Spotify playlist on, and it's a 1976 top 100. Come on. And I am redoing my closet. It, it, I am so happy. I The phone is on silent. Don't call me. Don't anything. You love that. I love that. And yeah. my bath time is everything, because I go into prayer and meditation mm. when I'm in the bathtub, and I light a candle, and I 
really purposely every every time I can get in the bath. And my time is bath time. And I reflect on everything. Things, yeah. you know, things that I was aware of that day, things that I wasn't aware of that day, you know, or, oh my gosh, I was, you know, I didn't think of even saying hello to that person behind me at the store or what have you. It's my time where I know myself more and I'm I want to be with my soul because mm. you have to nourish your soul mm. and you can't nourish it with like when I clean the closet it's not busyness it's really me looking at expressions of me in my mm-hmm. closet mm-hmm. and I was like why would I have ever bought this, that yeah, yeah exactly yeah. you know and but that, those those are my private and then me with my dogs if I'm with my dogs on the sofa we're never with, happier. With, oh, I'm never happier I know no Mm-hmm. And they're all over me, and it's the same kind of kisses. I'm like, guys, okay, but they just, but that for me is, I'm good. I'm happy. Do you think, and finally, do you think about when you will see your mom and dad again? Yes, I do. And how do you envision such a beautiful moment? I think that they are just going to be clapping and cheering, <laughs> and my mom's going to be like, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but I, I mm-hmm. am, I am, mm-hmm. I'm excited. For for the, I know that that moment will come. Yeah. And I really do believe that. And mm-hmm. what made me happy when my father crossed, it sounds weird, but I was so happy for their souls to be mm. reunited. I was actually happy for them mm. and that they would be reunited and that they could look at each other and say, well done. Well done. Mm, beautiful. Pick up this book, please. It's called Think You'll Be Happy Moving Through grief with grit, grace, and gratitude. If you're going through a difficult time, this is really the book. Thank Thank you so much, Oh, I appreciate appreciate you. Thank Thank you. you. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening and for coming on this journey with me. If you like what you heard, and I hope that you do, please give Making Space a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And make sure you tell your friends. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Making Space with Hoda Kotb is produced by Allison Berger and Alexa Kasavecchia, along with Amanda Sidman, Abigail Russ, and Kate Saunders. Our production assistant is Megan Celio. Our associate audio engineer is Juliana Mastrarilli. Our audio engineers are Bob Mallory and Katherine Anderson. Original music by John Estes. Bryson Barnes is our head of audio production. Missy Dunlop-Parsons is our executive producer. Sharice Williams-Laredo is our senior producer. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.